There are a number of doctrines within the Christian faith that allow for a certain uh, degree of deference, difference of opinion, things, uh, you know, perspectives that are arrived at after a good, honest, solid, um, uh, you know, study of the Scripture on that topic. Um, and these are doctrines that are would be considered non-essential in regard to salvation. People can have a differing view on a particular doctrine in this category and have their salvation remain intact. Uh, they would be within the pale of orthodoxy. Would be sort of a, you know, a, a sort of a high way of putting that. Uh, an example of this might be something like uh, mode of baptism. You know, whereas most believers really don't have any problem understanding that baptism is a part of what believers do when they come to faith. People may have differing views on the on ideas like whether or not you should uh, sprinkle uh, a person or or even an infant for that matter, or whether you should uh, practice full immersion. This is not an unimportant topic, but it is possible to have a differing view on the mode of baptism and still be a believer. Uh, there have been those that have debated these things, and some uh, very solid Orthodox believers practice. Uh, even infant baptism in sort of a different way than you might practice baptism, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, in sort of a biblical way, the idea of, you know, maybe bringing a child into the covenant relationship with the family of God and that kind of thing. It doesn't speak of them being born again necessarily, but it does speak of them being, you know, maybe part of the covenant people of God and that. There's differing perspectives on this, and, and, and you can hold a differing view in terms of a mode of baptism and still be uh, within, within the Orthodox Christian faith, the historic Christian faith. Um, uh, things like uh, eschatology. You know, we talk about eschatology a lot here, the last things. And in particular, things like the timing of the rapture and that kind of thing. And you can have differing views on the timing of the rapture, and there's room for discussion, debate, and good solid believers have landed on different perspectives through the years on this subject. I hold one view, someone may hold another view, and at the end of the day, we can, you know, hopefully in, in good faith and in fellowship debate and argue these things. But it really, we both, whoever this other person and I are, we expect to see each other in heaven and we can have our arms around each other and laugh about the arguments we had, you know, waiting for it to happen and that kind of thing. Uh, they're not unimportant. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to be flippant about it. It's not unimportant, but it's not essential to your salvation. You can have a differing view and not be in danger of your salvation, um, you know, being lost or some kind of a thing, you know, and that, that kind of thing. A matter of fact, even that question, the question of, you know, assurance of salvation, are, you know, are we, um, you know, is there is there the possibility of a believer losing their salvation? I would believe unequivocally no. There's no way a believer can lose their salvation. But there are solid believers who do wrestle with that and, and who struggle with that and who are still studying that and, and land on a position where they believe that some part of that still rests on the believer's shoulders. Um, I think even within that, Again, with a good faith, uh, you know, prayerful approach to studying that topic, believers could hold different views on that and still be within the pale of orthodoxy. Which leads me to um, uh, the really the crux of what I want to get to here, and that is to speak about a particular uh, doctrine uh, in which this is an essential element. Uh, there is no room for deference on this uh, in order to be considered a Bible-believing Christian. Um, there is, uh, this is what would be called an essential doctrine, uh, a non-negotiable. And this, and the, and the one I want to begin to speak to, and what I want to begin to uh, take a little bit of time presenting kind of a uh, uh, an intermittent 
uh, uh, entrance of these episodes dealing with this topic, and that would be the topic of the deity of Christ. This is a non-negotiable in the Christian faith. Uh, This is something that, in order to believe and be saved, you must have a right view of the person of Christ, and that would include his deity. I'm going to talk more about this in upcoming episodes and, and, and go to particular passages and begin to build that case. And my intention is for these episodes, I probably should bite my tongue and not even say it because it may not happen based on my own experience of myself, but my intention is for these to be a little bit shorter episodes that just present a particular passage and explaining why this passage helps to demonstrate the truth of the deity of Christ, the fact that he is in fact God in the flesh. And so that being said, we're going to take some time, in the, in, 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 again, in interdispersing some episodes coming uh, down the road where we'll talk about this topic. Um, what I would like to do today, though, in sort of setting the stage for that is to discuss uh, an important element in this discussion, because we call this a non-negotiable in relation uh, to our faith. We have to believe the right things about the person of Christ, because to not believe the right things about the person of Christ is to really be in danger of having the wrong Christ, having the wrong Jesus. And so this becomes an important thing for us to consider. Now, having said that, the thing I wanted to bring out in this opening episode is that the doctrine of the deity of Christ which I believe is established in Scripture very, very clearly, both in the Old and New Testament. Um, However, throughout the the early ages of the church, the early centuries of the church, there were gatherings uh, among believers, there was debate and discussion among believers about what this, who the person of Christ really is. Uh, Is he, you know, uh, even to the point of arguing To what degree he was fully man and fully God? What does that mean? What is this union of both the deity and the humanity of Christ? Uh, How does that work, if I can clumsily put it? And you would find that early on in Christian theology, as this doctrine is being developed, and books have been written about this, um, and you can read many of the early uh, church fathers as they debate these topics, these ideas, you know, like the deity of Christ, or, or equally, uh, on equal footing, the idea of the triune nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons distinctly, but yet one in being, not just in purpose, but in being. That's another doctrine that is a non-negotiable, but is one that, frankly, had been hammered out uh, in the early centuries of the church, and councils gathered not to make decisions about per se, but rather to ultimately provide a uh, sort of a stamp of approval on a doctrine so that the church could know with safety and security that they can put their trust in this doctrine and that, uh, um, you know, and, and to understand it as the essential that it is. And so, um, and I, I guess I make that point because various uh, aberrant Christian groups, cults, uh, groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons, would point to doctrines like this and the various uh, gatherings that came together to discuss them as sort of inventing this idea, borrowing from pagan ideas and trying to embrace them uh, in the Christian faith and put forth a deity that's really not biblical so much as, as invented in that kind of thing. Well, that's just patently false, and we'll hopefully make that case as we make our way through this, uh, this series. So we're going to, in the days ahead, go ahead and take a passage of Scripture uh, each time 
and begin to under, come to an understanding of that passage and how it builds the case for the deity of the person of Christ. So today, I just want to take those few minutes to begin to uh, just mention where we're going to go on that. Uh, so have your notebooks ready, have your Bibles ready, be ready to underline passages and write down cross-references, and jot down ideas about these things as we go, because this is intended to be something that can be a tool. Uh, both for your own personal growth and understanding this doctrine, this idea about the very person of Christ. Uh, again, this you could not speak of a more important topic to make sure you have nailed down. Uh, and, and also to be able to answer questions about his deity to those who ask. Uh, you would be surprised at some of the statistics that come up regarding people purporting to be Christians who believe essentially aberrant ideas about the person of Christ, the nature of God, and such. And so it becomes really important for us. This is not a peripheral thing for a believer. Uh, It's not just that we believe something, but what we believe is essential. And so when it comes to the person, the deity of Christ, this is one of those that we want to make sure we we do understand and that we pour ourselves into understanding well. Uh, It's not going to make us all theologians by this kind of thing, but we all ought to seek to know the word better that we might know the word of God better, that we might know the God of the word as well as we possibly can. So that being said, uh, my intention next time is to go into John chapter 1 and start there. Uh, And we'll go to all kinds of passages in each episode and in the ongoing episodes dealing with this. Um, But I thought, uh, just kind of, just through some prayer and some consideration, it just struck me that this is, is something that would be very valuable for us as believers to spend time in, and again, as a as a resource that you can learn from and then share from, or even share the episode, I suppose, with somebody who may be questioning or wondering about these things, but at least for you yourself, uh, and me myself, as we further uh, firm up our understanding of these things, it helps us to be able to take a strong position on this very essential, essential and central doctrine. So thanks for watching today. This one was remarkably brief, and, and this is about how long I would expect most of them to generally be. So hopefully they'll be easy to digest, easy to remember. Each one will be an opportunity to really get a solid understanding of, of the passages that make this uh, this fuller picture of the person of Christ. Uh, the most beautiful person and glorious person we could ever hope to know, and and who, by the way, we have been invited to know. The very fact of the incarnation is God's invitation for us to come and to dwell with him. I'll end with this very thought. In John 1, uh, it it speaks of in verse 14 how uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, The idea of dwelling carried in that Greek term speaks and reminds us of the idea of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Uh, this tent of meeting that was intended to be a place where God would meet with his people and his people through Moses and the priests and such would meet with God. Well, the person of Christ is the ultimate expression of this. Uh, Even in Hebrews chapter 1, in various times and in various ways, God spoke in times past through his servants, the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Uh, And so as we study the person of Christ, we come to realize, uh, come to know, come to firm up our understanding of the very deity of the Son of God who came and paid for our sins. And of course, the implications of that are profound as well. So thanks for watching. I look forward to starting this. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm actually going to go ahead and dive into our very first one, and then we'll just sort of interdisperse them like we do some of our other studies as we go forward. So, Father, we do pray that you would bless and help us to understand this subject, the subject of the very person 
of Christ, that we would come to understand his deity and to know him, that we would, uh, for knowing him, fall all the more deeply in love with him, and certainly be able to share him effectively and even accurately with those who ask about him. We pray that you'd firm up our own faith in these things and help us to understand the implications of knowing uh, rightly who Jesus is. So we thank you, Father. We love you and praise you and ask you to guide us through this by your Holy Spirit, through your word, into a deeper understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.